Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. It is good to see familiar faces. Welcome, Carolyn and Micah. Elder Navira Rose, it is a blessing to have you all here with us to worship together. Uh, maybe there's someone else I've missed. Uh, home folks, welcome. Glad all of you all could be here. I appreciated uh, Daddy's thoughts in the verses that he read about what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in Corinthians. And it says, and I wanted to repeat those, I, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined to know, not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. And that Spirit and power is God's Word. And we recognize that. And so I come to you this morning sharing as one of those needy creatures. The title of the message this morning is Called, Kept, and Beloved of the Lord. Now, many of you all, I'm sure, probably got something for Christmas, right? You got a gift or multiple gifts, probably. And so, these gifts often bring some excitement. Uh, is that right? Do, does they, do they bring excitement to you? I mean, even we see our children and they, they see this gift and it just brings some excitement. But even an old timer <laughs> like me... <laughs> You know, when a gift is presented, it brings some excitement waiting to see what is in that box or in that wrapping brings excitement. And uh, wow, for us, we should be displaying the excitement of a gift so precious. And that gift is of God, salvation through Jesus Christ, a gift so precious that we should be wanting to live a holy life, an obedient life, and wanting to serve wherever God calls us to go, to do, whatever. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This word gift... You know, when we think about that Christmas gift, that birthday gift, that, the gift that sometimes we give to one another as a special gift, this word gift means charisma. It's something attractive. It's something enticing. It's something appealing. And this word charisma is used numerous times in this form in the New Testament. The word gift means divine gratuity. Or a divine tip. You know, we give to gratuity when we uh, visit a restaurant. A divine tip. It means deliverance from danger or passion. It means spiritual endowment. It means a religious qualification. And so the gift of salvation is all of these and beyond. And there are some other terms that we recognized as salvation um, in Scripture. We hear about the new birth, being born again, a new creature in Christ, 
the new man, a new creation, and being saved. And there are probably others that I haven't included there, but I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 5, because this speaks of what we were before we received the gift. And it says in Romans 5, I'm going to be starting at verse 6. And I'm not going to read these verses all in their entirety. I want to um, read a few and then comment as we go through this passage. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, and I think that that means without any... Yeah, let me see what it says here in NIV 5 verse 6. I didn't write this down. When we were still powerless... Yet when we were still without strength or when we were powerless, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, this is before we received the gift, before we were anticipating that thing, while we were yet sinners, the gift Jesus Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Now I've heard said that we shouldn't, we shouldn't base our salvation on being saved from the wrath, but let me tell you something. I am so thankful that I am saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ from the wrath to come. Aren't you? Amen. We are saved through, justified through His blood from, excuse me, from the wrath to come. For if, when we were enemies, and this is before we received that charisma, that gift, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And I want us to think about that. For if, when we were enemies, okay, this is before you were born, way many long years ago, before you were born, we are born in sin because of that Adamic nature. Because Adam sinned, we have that sin nature. Before, when we were enemies, God sent His only begotten Son. Reconciled by death, we are reconciled by death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved through His life. And we know because of the character of God, that God cannot look upon sin. We recognize that. We also recognize that because of Adam, we are enemies of God because of that sin. We know throughout history that man has died physically and eternally because of sin. We see that. We see that happening in the world today. People suffer because of living lives of sin. They suffer physically. But sometimes people, because of the life of sin, they, if they are not right with God when they pass from this life, we know from Scripture that they will suffer eternally. And that, to me, is a scary thought. But it says, in due time, Christ died for the very purpose of reconciling us, even when we were enemies with Him, through His blood. And through that reconciliation, we are now made righteous. Have you made a commitment to Christ? 
Praise God for that commitment because through that commitment, you are made righteous with a holy God. And apart from that commitment, it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from. It matters only that you make a commitment to Christ because if there is no commitment, it says that we are enemies of Him. I want us to think about that. God, holy creator, redeemer, friend, is also a just and holy God that will not reward any type of sin. And it is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we have a small opportunity, that gift of God, that charisma, that something exciting that we can look to. We are saved through that from the wrath to come. Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. I don't know about you, but when I became born again, when I became a new creature, listen, things changed. There was a load lifted off of my shoulders. There was a guilt that was taken away from my heart. There was rejoicing, not only in my soul and being, but it says there was rejoicing in heaven. And you know, we experience that day after day, person after person, because the gift, the charisma that is shared with us through the Word of God is available. And we have a story to tell. We have a testimony to give. And I'm hoping that we are living a life of joy and testimony. Verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, and so that is all-inclusive. It's not just a select few. It's not those that are living in the inner city. You know, I was just reading a book just recently, about a, a man that lived in the depths of sin and how God gloriously rescued him from these depths of, from the depths of sin. And we don't have to go there, but let me tell you people, we are all there. Whether li we're living in the depths of sin in the inner city or whether we are living in the <laughs> shallow depth of sin and I say that carefully because all sin separates us from God. We have an opportunity because we are in that all have sinned. We know that when Adam sinned, the sin nature became upon all mankind. And death physically was our portion. But we also know that death spiritually was our portion. And so what do you deserve? Nothing. We deserve nothing. But it was because of the charisma, because of the gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ that we have an opportunity. Physically, we are born to die. Think about that. Physically, we are born to die. Spiritually, we are born an eternal being to live forevermore. This body that we have that encases this spirit is growing old. And just the last couple of days with the rainy weather, my knee, oh, it's really been bothering me. You know what? It's the old fleshly body. 
it's wearing out. It's going away. And one day this encasement, this capsule of clay is going to be laying horizontal. Where will I be? Life, the life that we live here on earth speaks of our eternal end. The decisions that we make here speak and will determine our eternal end. Eternally, we are eternal beings, but eternally, we will live or die as well. We will go to everlasting life with God the Father, Jesus Christ, or we will be eternally separated from that Godhead. Oh, the sorrow. But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity through Christ to remedy that spiritual death. We saw that in the Garden of Eden, God provided a sacrifice. And we saw throughout history, God provided sacrifice and that blood covered sin. But in Jesus Christ, His blood washed it away. And that is a choice that we have to make. Choosing Christ and His shed blood to wash away. We can choose life. But it is a choice. And it is a daily choice to live in that. It's not something automatic that just plops in our lap that just happens. But it is a purposeful choice to follow Christ. Do we fail? Yeah, we're going to fail along the way. But what do we do with that? Well, I'll talk about that just a little bit later. It is a choice we have to follow Christ. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law, or sin was not an attribute attribute or put on our account. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was come. Death reigned. And that means that physical death and spiritual death reigned. Physical death because of birth, spiritual death because of sin. We're all there. Verse 15, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Through Adam's choice, many are dead. But much more through the grace of God, through the gift of God, through Jesus Christ, through one man, through Jesus, Jesus abounded to many. This word abounded means in the sense of or beyond, or it means superabundant. It means superior in quality. And so we look at those sacrifices of the Old Testament, and it covered, but the New Testament sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that perfect Lamb of God, it was superior in quality to wash away sin. And that grace, that gift, that charisma of Jesus Christ is available to us. Verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive 
abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity because Jesus has paid the price. And we receive that gift of abundance of grace, a gift of righteousness. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, that's sin, because of that sin, sin, sinful being, because of that sinful being, we are condemned physically, spiritually, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift, this gift of charisma, came upon all men unto justification of life. Justification. That is removal of penalty. Justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We recognize it was Adam's sin. And because of Adam's sin, we face judgment and condemnation for all men. But because of Christ, we can experience righteousness and justification. And that is available to all men that believe. And belief is not just, hey, I know who Jesus is. I know who God is. Belief is not just, oh, I read this and I know that these words say this. Belief is more than that. But belief is an experience that we have recognizing ourselves as that sinner in need of justification of Christ. That gift. Verse 20, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So because of the super abundant, superior gift of Christ and His shed blood, because of the sin that we have in, in our being, this grace, this gift, this superabundant ability to conquer that through Jesus Christ does much more abound. Verse 21, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see that man has a sin problem. We all know that. It's kind of basic Christianity 101. We know that man has a sin problem. But we also know basic Christianity 101. Jesus Christ is the answer to that sin problem. He is the solution. And as Jesus called the disciples to come and follow Him, He is calling you, each one of us, day by day, moment by moment, to do the same, to follow Him. And I know that many commitments have been made here. And I say praise God for that. But it isn't just a once and done, people. It is a continual work. Jesus called His disciples to follow Him. And He said in Matthew 6, 24, Then Jesus said unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself. Now what does that mean? Denying of self means putting away our passions, our lusts, our desires. It means putting away the things that our flesh hankers after. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. Whose cross? His cross and follow me. 
after Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, after Jesus knew that his time on here was drawing to a close, he prayed to God the Father. And I want you to turn there with me, uh, with me to John chapter 17. This prayer was to the Father, but for you and I. And I wanted to look at verse 3 and 4 and then skip down to verse 14 and read some more down there. <clears throat> John chapter 17. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now Jesus is praying this prayer. Okay? Jesus is praying this prayer, and He said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, He was speaking of Himself, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And then skipping down to verse 14. I have given them thy word. And the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, the disciples, the people that he ministered to. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That is what we are hearing today. It is not the disciples. It is not the apostles. It is not the, those, those that we are hearing today. But it is the testimony of God's Word being passed down through, through generations. Jesus was praying for you and me. And we didn't hear these words directly. But we have heard them through the testimony of saints who heard them and embraced them and came to know Christ. And then has passed that faith, that most holy faith, down from generation to generation until it has come before you today, here. Now my question is this, for you and for me, is my faith in Jesus Christ charismatic, appealing? Is the gift that I bear, that I have received, is that shining forth out of my life? Is that gift shining forth to other people? Namely, our children, our family, the friends that we work with, the community that we live in. Is that gift a gift of charisma that is shining forth Jesus Christ? We hear the gospel preached Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We hear it in our schools. We sometimes hear it through radio, through other forms of media. Through other messages that we listen on podcasts, we hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But is it making a difference in my life? Is it making a difference in your life? 
Verse 21. That they may all be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Is my life, is our life, is our church, is our conference churches, are they proclaiming Christ? Are we glorifying God? That's the called. You are called, and we need to respond to that calling. Verse 22, it says, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. And I and them, and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. In other words, Jesus was saying, the men and women that I shared the word with, I'm hoping that they are going to be with me one day. And I'm hoping that the ones that He sent are going to declare that name to the world that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus declared His love in such a manner that He gave Himself, that perfect Lamb of God, that sacrifice, the ransom for many. And when we embrace that, we're in the fold. We're a part of the kingdom. We are a brother and sister in Christ. But again, it's not just a once and done. It is a continual work. John, 1 John 5.10 He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. These are precious, precious words. They have been to me for many years. That ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. In these verses... The Apostle John is saying, if you believe on, on the Son of God, we have that witness in our hearts, in our beings. It is within. And that witness is the Holy Spirit that guides in all truth. And this Spirit testifies that God has given us eternal life. And I know that you know that Spirit, those of you that have embraced Christ, because that Spirit works with our conscience. And when we do fail, when we do sin, and it was mentioned in our Sunday school class, when we misstep, that still small voice pricks our heart. It pricks our conscience. It pricks our mind. And then what do we do with that? Hopefully, we make use of the words of Scripture and we go to God confessing. This Spirit testified that, testifies that God has given us eternal life and we can know it. When I became a Christian, I knew that I was saved. And I have striven to live in that every day. Did I have I failed? Absolutely. 
But when I have failed, God, through His Spirit, has spoken to my heart. Sometimes it took a little bit for me to get right with God. But I am so thankful that I can be at peace with an ever-loving Father. The Spirit testifies, but we need to live it out. It's not again, it's not a once and done, but it's a continual work. I think sometimes we tend to buy into the thought that once we become a Christian, everything's okay, everything's well, everything is a, is a bed of roses. But people, it is a battle. It is a spiritual warfare that we are in. And the devil himself is doing everything in his capabilities to cause you to stumble and fall. And he knows your weakness and he knows mine. He's not all-knowing like God the Father, and yet He is observing. And He is um, placing temptations in our way in the little ways that we fail, we sin. And it says when temptation, when we yield to temptation, it brings forth sin, and then sin, death. We need to teach our scripture teaches that we need to be on guard personally, purposely, daily. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So how many of you all, I don't want to see a raise of hands, how many of you all are here that have not made any mistakes this past week? I don't want to see a raise of hands. I want you to examine your heart because as I examine my heart, there are times where I have failed. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But, verse 9 says, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Does that mean we have the freedom because we have the grace available? No, absolutely not. This is an active work. It's not a once and done. Because it says in Hebrews 10, verse 23, let us hold fast, and that means to grip extremely tight, to hang on for all your worth. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We are one day closer in 2022, January 2, 2022. We are one day closer to Jesus coming again. And when the disciples, the, the writers of the New Testament were writing, they said the end was soon. And we are so much closer let us hold fast, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Verse 26 is a very, very sobering verse. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. This word willfully means voluntarily, continually. It says in verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for, uh, for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Again, 
This verse is not talking about an occasional failure. This verse is talking about continuing to live a life of choosing what we know is sin against God. And I think every one of us are intelligent enough to know that when we choose sin, it is because of our fleshly desire. And I know that each one of us knows what it's like for that Spirit of God to prick our hearts and to warn us, to guide us, to speak to us. And so I hope and pray for each one of us that we stay far, far away from this willful, voluntary continuing in sin. But that we can look at God as a holy God and realize that it is but a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation if we continue there. And then the last, called, kept, and beloved, it says, but we are bound to give thanks always. This is 2 Thessalonians 2. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. I want to read that again. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Does that mean that you are saved and, well, we're not sure if you are and you're saved and we're not sure if you are because God has chosen in times past that he will and she won't and she will and he won't? No. God knows who will continue in faith following Him. And we are called beloved of the Lord. But we are called to forsake sin. Through these passages, we're called to forsake sin and live a life of obedience to the Word of God. We have confidence through this Word in the keeping power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And in rest, we, and sorry, in assurance, we have rest. We have, let me, let me back up and repeat that again. And we rest in the assurance of our salvation because we are beloved of God. So for all of us that have made that commitment, we are called, kept, and beloved of God to pass that gift, that charisma, to the generations that follow forevermore until He comes. May the Lord bless us to strive for that end.